Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Before we jump in to who I am so privileged to interview today, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what is coming up in 2019. Now, in 2019, I am launching my new program that is going to be tied to my next book and a collaborative book, and it is called Building Your Lemonade Stand. Now, that might sound really strange and might be sound different, but the premise for the book is the fact that in the program is that as I started to reach out and share my story, my difficult story as a parent dealing with teen substance abuse, and really sharing the lessons that I learned on the journey, I kept coming in, in contact with all of these people who said they had difficult stories and they didn't know what to do with them, and they really felt they were meant to do something with them. And so from there has birthed this concept where we are going to be diving in and over the next four months, building a platform from the lessons from our story. And that platform is based on those lessons and it is there to help us to serve, support and impact others. And it really can make a big difference in when you're moving through a very difficult situation, it helps you to make a difference and impact the lives of others. If you can ease the journey for someone else, it helps you in your own healing and in the process. And I can't tell you how much of a change this has made in my own life. And I cannot wait to work with the women who are interested in moving forward. So if you have a story that you know you want to do something with, you would like to write a book about it. You would like to speak from the stage, you would like to coach and support others on the lessons, then I would encourage you to reach out at Marsha at MarshaVanW.com and we can connect for a quick clarity call and see if this is the right program for you. So now on to today's guest. I am so grateful to be interviewing Carrie Odiatu. She is an avid fitness enthusiast. That's mildly speaking. Um, she has been, she's a professional, was a professional fitness competitor, a fitness model representing Canada in international competition and prestigious fitness Olympia, Olympia, if I say that correctly. She is, it just was such a powerful conversation because as Carrie was sharing you know, when you really start to listen to it, you understand that these things, they were not part of her upbringing. It was not part of what she was doing and or what she was exposed to. But she made decisions early on of what she wanted to do and what she wanted to create. And she just did it. She did the work and she connected with the people and made it happen. So she is very candid and very um, real with us, which is it's just such a powerful conversation as she is. The title of it is Strength and Vulnerability. And the journey that she's been on and what she is doing with that, um, I just knew she was somebody that I wanted to connect with for a long time. 
So I am so proud of her and what she is doing and what she's growing and creating on her own. And I'm so grateful that we connected. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do and you would like to share it, pass it on and tag Carrie and myself because it is definitely worth sharing. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today, I am thrilled to finally connect with Carrie Odiatu. Carrie is somebody that I heard speak probably four or five years ago, and I've definitely followed her on Facebook. She's she's been supportive of my stuff back and forth, and I just really honor the journey that she has been on. Carrie is an author and transformational coach and professional fitness competitor. And more than that, she has a great story, a great perspective, and she really believes in putting a lot of good things out into the world. So I'm so grateful that we're here to connect today. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me on, Marcia. It's a pleasure to get a chance to speak to someone like yourself who's out there helping other people have breakthroughs and transform their lives too. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. I think that there is plenty of room in this world for women to be doing more of this. And the more we do that, the more we step up, the more of a difference we can make. And the more others I like to believe, the more others continue to step up as well. So it's awesome. This is awesome. So we're going to start today before we dive in. We're going to ask you just a few questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so people can get to know you. Where, where did you grow up? Oh, that's a great question. It's, it leads into uh, my story quite well, too. So I'll just tell you where sure. I grew up. Give you a sure. bit of the and we'll come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Portisville Prairie, Manitoba, which is about one hour outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba. There's about 10,000 people there. And it's about half of um, a reserve kind of town and then non-reserve and a lot of Air Force, like um, military. Personnel. Military. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it was a small town upbringing with parents who did not go beyond grade 12 and uh, smoking and drinking was the pastime of everybody in town. <laughs> oh, I'm going to stereotype for a second because I grew up in a small town too. And that's really essentially what life, sorry for anyone, it was just what we grew up with. That's what we, that's it was the it. paradigm. <laughs> it, it was the paradigm. 10,000 people is what we had. And, and it's, yes. So we don't live there now, but I still love it. Um, so, um, what is your, I know you're a reader, what would you say is a book that may, it doesn't have to be your favorite one, but what is something that changed your perspective? I know this is going to be an easy one. You guys can't see it, but yes, go ahead. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. I can see the book. What is the book? She asked me about the book and I didn't even know she was going to ask, but I'm no. holding my hands, the power of intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer, because uh, there's a book I read this year, though, I will mention that came close. It's called The Untethered Soul by Michael oh, Singer. Oh, Michael Singer. Yes. It's my favorite book of this year. But The Power of Intention is my all-time favorite book. And I have a limited edition, like one of those special, beautiful oh, copies. Oh, it's nice. gorgeous. Yeah. And this book, when I was competing in women's fitness, I had a dream to um, get to the Fitness Olympia. It's like top 1% of all competitors make it to the Olympia and stand on that stage with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Weeders and... I literally read this book six months before I meditated. I did the ah creation meditation every day. I went in and visualized. I knew the goal. I had to place top three. I even had to go to Budapest, Hungary to do it. And oh I actually gosh. stepped right into that manifestation. So powerful stuff. The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer has forever changed my life since that moment. I know that I'm a co-creator in my life. 
Oh, that, okay. That is beautiful. And I believe I listened to that one on Audible a long time ago, but I actually will make a point of reading that because I loved his work, loved, loved, loved his work. And it's funny because I've been working with this group right now where we're talking about, you know, forget, first off, there's no resolutions. We don't create resolutions. Second, it's about what do we create for intentions and intentions being the opposite of reaction, really, because I found for years I was reacting to life. It's great to set the intention of what you want it to be like instead. So I will definitely have to go back and read that. So it's funny. You have that right there. Um, what lights you up? Well, um, you know, fitness, being mm -hmm. fit, anything to do with fitness lights me up. If you knew me as a competitor, I was that weirdo that loved what I was doing. I didn't complain about it. I enjoyed the pain. I enjoyed the hours in the gym. I literally gave up everything else to pursue this dream I had of being a world-class fitness competitor. It was my big, hairy, audacious goal and dream to model in fitness magazines, be on the stage. And growing up a small town girl, remember, I had glasses, a perm, I I tried to smoke, but I had asthma, so that didn't work. But I drank a lot of beer. I, I have been in the back of a police car, Marsha. Like, wow, wow, wow. Uh, and I was over 20 pounds overweight in my university days. And I was going to university to study how to be a phys ed teacher of all things. I had no sport or no athleticism, but I had a dream. And I learned how to be a phys ed teacher. And through that, I discovered the University of Manitoba gymnastics team. I was fascinated by gymnastics, but I didn't do it myself. My parents wouldn't drive me an hour to go for training to Winnipeg, the big city. So at university, I had some uh, revelations of, hey, why don't you just come and train with us? And I was like, me? Like, I can't do a flip. And they're like, you can still train and do the conditioning. And no kidding, by the time I was 30, I was flipping all over the world, representing Canada in women's fitness competitions and totally changed the trajectory of my life. Okay. So, so I've seen you flip on stage and I mean, you make it look so easy. So how old were you when you did the first flip? So I was in my 20s when I started late. I literally had never done a back handspring or a back tuck or a front handspring up until my 20s. I started training like, oh, I would go three days a week because I was, I was just fascinated by the, wow. the body and the motion. And like when people talk about meditation, I always remind them, you don't have to be sitting there like this to meditate. No, no. it's being it's present. Be in motion. And when you are in the zone and you're running, that is a, a that's a movement meditation. Me, when I'm flipping or I'm lifting hard and I'm training and I'm sweating, I'm in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally me. I just started CrossFit this year and I'm like, I, I like a last, I guess it was last year. There are times I know it's meditative. I am in a zone where it's just a case where my brain just is like, yeah, we're doing this. And it's funny because, you know, I equate a lot of that bar to life that there, I didn't grow up doing barbells. So this is new for me. But there are times that if I walk up to the bar with a shred of doubt that it's not happening, it's not happening. Yeah. It's just not happening. And it's like learning to change my state to do an exercise brings me super present in the moment. And never did I think my yoga background of being Zen-like would come into CrossFit and picking up a barbell, but it does, right? It's yeah. being present. Yes. And when yeah. I created that manifestation of my ultimate dream of, of placing top three and getting to the fitness Olympia. I was 100% in the moment because I had spent so much time visualizing, deep breathing, meditating, and I like owned that moment. It just, it, it, it happened exactly as I visualized. <laughs> okay. That is just like, that is definitely something that I want to dive into a little bit because in a sense that, I mean, how do you get to that state where you are a, you know, I mean, you didn't grow up with this. 
This is not, was not part of your, you know, upbringing as far as what, so how did you, like, how did you get to this space where you're like, well, I'm just going to do whatever it takes. I'm just going to do whatever it takes. That's not something that a lot of people have a trait to do. So how do you, like, do you think that was kind of always in there that that was you or did it something foster that to come out or people or influences or? Yeah. So, I mean, there were some influences throughout my life and I mean, just uh, at ele age 11, uh, gymnastics people from Winnipeg came to my small town and this was a nationally ranked gymnast. Um, and she flipped across our, our elementary school gym and I was 11 years old. And I, mm -hmm. that's when I said, mom, I want to do gymnastics. So I went into this rec program where mm -hmm. I learned how to do forward rolls and cartwheels and stuff and just fell in love with movement. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had found my life. Like at that moment, I knew I was going to be a physics teacher. I knew that I loved doing this stuff. I didn't necessarily equate that what you ate, what you drank. <laughs> no, no, none of us did. That was not no, what we did I, then. No. Yeah. Like I didn't maybe have that yet down. Yeah. I figured that out in my twenties when I pursued fitness yes. at a intense level after I went to the university of Manitoba and started studying it and went, Oh, <laughs> wait, this is connected. This is all connected. Yes. Yeah, yes. Just love of movement and watching somebody else throw their body around like that. I just knew in my heart that I wanted to be able to do it. And I had given up on that because here I am in my twenties now, fast forward. And I'd never got the training. My parents mm -hmm. refused to pay the money or drive me into mm -hmm. it. Um, so, I mean, I only did some rec gymnastics and then I, but I started coaching how cool, like I was 14, 15. I, I did volunteer coaching and I helped out with the little kids and I just loved it. So I knew I was going to be a teacher. And then, um, as I went on to university to learn how to be a phys ed teacher, then I, my whole environment opened up obviously. And it was through role models and then meeting people my own age who were doing it and, and having encouragement and having role models and having coaches and, and people just believed in you. It was the coach at the university. Rick, Rick was his name at the university of Manitoba. And he just said, like, he knew I loved it. I was in the gym all the time. I lived in the gym and I was volunteering for crying out loud with the competitive kids to learn how to, I was teaching kids how to flip and I couldn't, I had never done it. And, um, you know, and he said, why don't you come train with us? Like you can do this too. And I'm, I was shocked. And, and then I thought, you know, why not? Why not me? I mean, that's been a running thing throughout my life too. Why not me? And something more, <laughs> there was always, oh. more. and why not me? Mm. And just this, I've always been a big player when it comes to putting myself out there and I'm not worried about what other people think are getting laughed at too much. Like in grade 12, I literally, without dance training, gymnastics training, I was a born performer. I, I was in theater, which I probably could have pursued, but I had nobody telling me that that was a viable option to pursue. No. Yeah. And in grade 12, I literally wrote and directed a play myself because they were doing a musical and I can't sing. And I was always the lead for the theater play, but then they had a musical in grade 12 and I'm like, I need a play. So I did my own with my friends and no kid, the drama club friends that didn't want to be in the musical. And we had this amazing play called voices from the high school that we self did. And I had a two minute segment. I danced around the stage to the song dream weaver in front of my high school. Dreamweaver. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, 20 some years later, if you bump into anyone, I went to, high school with they they will go <laughs> they remember me dream weaver <laughs> dream weaver and like i made up some dance and i'd never had a stitch of dance in my life <laughs> okay that's like that, that is like that's a phenomenal story in itself and that's i think that they do you not see how sometimes when you look back at your story and you're like oh that came before this and that person crossed my path and this happened and then all of a sudden before you know it you know okay that actually does make sense now how it all fell into yeah. place but you had you know just enough 
um, of the right mentors, right ideas, right people cross your, your path. And then you, to help you to start to believe in yourself, but then you just kind of deep down, like, I want to do that. Yeah. And you know, there's another interesting component too, because I was competing and I was doing quite well in Canada, but I hadn't got to the pro level yet. I went to hear Mark Victor Hansen speak. And I mean, so reading, oh. reading books like Power of Intention, listening to people like Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, the people who are the big thinkers, who are the doers, Anthony Robbins. So Jack, uh, Mark Victor Hansen was my first exposure to someone like that. And he came yeah. to the and I sat in the audience and he dared the audience to write down 100 dreams and goals. And yeah. You know, I have it here somewhere, but this isn't the right journal, but I have that first 100 dream and goal list that I wrote. And he said, you have to write BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, yeah. big, hairy, audacious dreams and goals. Don't play small, right? Play some good music and just, just free flow. And if it feels crazy and stupid to write something, those are the perfect things. So I was writing, you know, easy things at first, pay off the visa, get a new car, have at least yeah. 10 shoes get a nice bird like dumb things travel there, travel there and then all of a sudden like get to 50 and you're really running out of ideas and then I was like ah what the heck I'll model in a fitness magazine I'm gonna be on the cover of one ah, why not me right I'm gonna win the pro card I'm gonna compete in the pro ranks oh hell why not go to the Arnold Classic the Olympia like I was writing this stuff down going yeah all right and I've checked all those things off, Marsha. Like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And write a book. You, and you did. A, you did write a book. Possible. Yeah, I wrote write a book on that list. Like, <laughs> it's so. Do you see? Like, this is this is this is so fascinating and so incredible because when um, I actually saw Jack Canfield probably five years ago, and I know we talked about the hundred goals, and we were we were talking about that, and listening to him, and it's, it, I went through the process that the very first probably 20 were so superficial and like, okay, well, sure, whatever, do this, do this, do this. And then all of a sudden you start to think bigger, and it is amazing, you can hear that one little voice going like, okay, no, like, what are you, like, and you have to give yourself permission to think like that, and it's a muscle, you have to train yourself to think like that. Like, it's like a loud yourself yeah. and I do believe we get stuck in that because we're so stuck in house like how 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 is that going to happen yeah. and so did you ever find yourself stuck in house or did you just not go there oh yeah yeah no always like I'm a normal human being I just like mm -hmm. you said I've developed this muscle at a very mm -hmm. intense rate and it's been something that I naturally like for some people numbers come naturally for some people art comes naturally for yeah. me looking beyond the how and just dreaming up stuff and then just saying why not me it comes naturally uh i will do crazy stuff and i don't care if i fall down and fail i will get back up and do it again i'm in a plank challenge right now marcia i saw that i've never done planks in my life i'm a fitness professional i'm like all hot fitness model i'm in a magazine right now for crying out loud for i saw time. that and i'm like you know i can't plank for the life of me like i couldn't even do 30 seconds when i first started and i did one minute the first video just because it was on video and i fell and i'm like i'm sharing this with the world because i want them to see that I'm not perfect either. And planking is not good for me. I've had five kids and some people are telling me, well, that's no excuse. And I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know what my excuse is. I just can't plank. It hurts. And I'm doing my best. And you know, I made a minute. I made two, I made three. I'm up to four minutes. My goal is five. That's what I was challenged to. And I will hit five. Oh, when I, I no first, doubt. <laughs> no when doubt. When I first started, I didn't want to start the challenge because I was like, there's no way I can do five minute plank. There's no way I can't even do 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know what? As soon as you say you will do it, you know you will do it, and it's mm -hmm. going to hurt, and it's going to take trial and error, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of pain, but you're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to document it because people need to see that even I, in my expertise area of fitness, have challenges. 
See, I, I love that. And I knew as soon as, the first, as soon as I saw this first video, I'm like, oh, she's totally going to do that. So whatever, like whatever you throw out there, I know you're going to do, I know you're going to do it. But I think there's such, I think such a valuable point in the fact that you said that it is about showing, like you're showing the journey, you're showing the journey and that it's real and that, yes, I struggle with this because in the, in the time of social media, I find it's very easy for people to, um, assume mm -hmm. she's got it all together. It's all easy. Life is smooth. Um, I've even seen you post pictures. I saw it. I don't remember what it was, but you posted a picture of like your kitchen the one time when the kids had destroyed it. <laughs> it was just like, this is still, I'm still being productive. This is what life looks like right now. Yeah. And I'm always attracted to real. And I think that that's the part that I've always loved about what you do. But being from that, coming from that space, it's like you allow other people to see the real side of you and not just what, I mean, people are going to think and see what they want anyways. You can't control that, but you're, you're allowing them to see the part that, yes, this is the real side and this is a challenge for me, but yeah. I'm still going to do it anyways. Yeah. I'm not a good cook by any means. I can make basic foods. Like my kids are, they eat like bodybuilders cause that's how I cook. Bake oh, breasts breast and steam vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get fancy herbs. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not fancy. I'm not. I am like, no, 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 no. I am like I queen of meal prep. We do meal prep and leftovers all the time here, but it's basic. Like it is basic. It's chicken. It's vegetables. It's this, it's salads made. It's nothing fancy, but I don't choose to make that area of my life complicated. Yeah. That's me, just me. I can't. Yeah. And it's not an interest for me. Food for function is just my mantra. That's all. Yeah. Oh, well, that is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that part. Cause I just love that. Um, so you are, first off, before I jump to that, tell me about the book that you wrote. So the miracle of health, um, mm -hmm. first of all, it started with, you know, and this didn't just all of a sudden like, Oh, I wrote a book. No big deal. No. It's hard to write a book and it's hard to get a publisher. Like it's like, it's not something you can easily do. So back in the day we went for classes. Like we studied with Dan Pointer. We went to Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. They used to have something called the enlightened millionaires. We went there to learn yes. how to be authors. Yeah. Like we went to California and we sat in courses and seminars. We learned how to write chapters, how to create ideas, how to get, how to find um, publishers. And one of the ideas was to self-publish a book, which is yeah. not that hard to do. You can type something up nowadays pretty easy. You can find a printer pretty easy. Um, we even hired the editor from Body for Life. Because we just looked at the front of who edited Body for Life? I wonder if we him. our book, like our first book, Fit for That's the awesome. That's awesome. For the love of it. And um, paid a couple thousand dollars, got a run of books out there. And, and yeah. as of the self-published book, and because we had a sponsor in the fitness industry that was giving us speaking and because we started developing a funnel. So we had a newsletter and like you're yeah. doing, you're providing information to people and helping yeah. other people. So we have yeah. people, we have people who could buy our book that we then presented to a publisher. Nice. That nice. Miracle of health, hard copy book got printed by um, Jack Wiley and sons and then taken over by Harper and Collins. Uh, don't ask me why all that happened, but anyway, <laughs> it was sold to Harper Collins. Yeah. Anyway. So that's how that book came about. And a book is not a guarantee of money, success, anything. Oh. All the book has done for us is a calling card for more speaking engagements. Um, yes. And just that a clout of author. It's not like a bestseller across North America or anything like that, but it did well in Canada. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, it's, I, I published mine last year, self-published. And I just, I like, it was more work than I could have ever, ever imagined, like ever imagined. Um, and I swore I'd never do it again. And I'm starting on my second. So it's, I do, it's like, I do understand 
but it's, yeah, it's not, um, I've had a few people say, so like you make lots of money. I'm like, no, you don't write a book to make money. <laughs> it's not it at all, but it has opened the doors for some speaking engagements that I probably would not have been on the table. And it's what changes it. Just, I don't want to clout's not the word. It's just expertise, just background. It's it gives yeah. you the, clout, the expertise. And then people look at you because how many people think, oh my God, I can never write a book, but I'd love to write a book. And it's just one of those things that when you, it's like running a marathon. Yes. It's a big, yeah. So it gives you that clout and um, it's going to open the doors for radio interviews, TV. And if you're smart, then you have a business that you can promote because you wrote the book and you, yeah. that's open the doors. And yeah, that's, yes. that's, that's, well, and that's a, that's a really good segue because, um, the biggest thing we do here is we talk about like, you know, owning your choices on your life. And the reason that those words are so important to me is because it wasn't until I learned how to own my own choices that I really felt like I could actually own my life. I stopped trying to fix change control everyone around me and put that effort back on me. And I really believe deep down that we all have these gifts and the gifts that we have come from the journeys that we've been on. Most of the time, the gifts are wrapped up in the most difficult challenges of our life, but that's where those gifts are. And it's not until we start to really unpack it and, and go through the process of dealing with it that we understand what some of those lessons are. And those lessons, um, aren't necessarily for us. That's my personal belief. They're, they're for us to, if we're the person called to it, I believe that they are for us to share, to support, serve others and light the way for them to, you know, because when we have challenges, right, we, we are alone. A lot of times we believe we're alone. We unpack from the world and we just close off. So one of the first things that, um, you sent me an information and I just loved your wording was you talked about how many gifts and lessons that you have gone through in your life, which has obviously made you who you are. Like you're a very unique human being in the fact that you take on a challenge and say, you're going to do it. And failure is just part of the process. I don't even like the word failure, but you don't shy away from it because of that. So I love that. So share with me or with us as some of your gifts that you have and lessons that you have kind of gone through in life. Yeah, the first thing I'm going to share is because somebody actually sent me this uh, cool message the other day. I'm saying cool message. <laughs> you say whatever you want. It's I, I, had, I had used the word failure in, I don't know, it was during my plank presentation, I think, and in a post about my Define Fitness magazine. And similar, what you just said, I don't like the word failure. And you know, that's another distinction I'll, I'll make here. I have grown to love the word failure. Yeah. So it's not a negative. I guess that's a great way. That's a great, you know what? That's a really good, um, I found lots of ways that don't work, but yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I don't like to label it as in you failed, but what a great perspective. So tell me yeah. what your thoughts were on that word. So I don't fear failure. Mm -hmm. I look forward to chances to grow to opportunities. And I know that if I'm failing, Mm -hmm. It means I am learning. I'm on track. I'm in action. If I'm not having any failures in my life, I'm probably stuck. Oh, okay. So that, so that like, that's gold right there. Um, in the fact that if you are, you're not going to have any failures if you're not in action and nothing changes if we're not in action, like nothing, I don't care what your intentions are. You can have the best day planner on the market. If you do nothing and actually don't go to the gym, change your nutrition, change the people you surround yourself with in action, none of it matters. 
Like it yeah. just doesn't matter. Intent, intention takes you so far, right? But you need yeah. that action you step. You have to get out of the action and with the action is going to come some failures. And those failures, you just have to flip the script into like yeah. somebody saying no to me for my network marketing business for the solution that I offer. Am I going to get upset and say, well, I guess this isn't working? No, I'm going to say, I'm going to give as many people as possible the opportunity to say no. Because that means I'm going to have that many more yeses because I'm talking to that many more people feeling by yes. them saying, no, no, it's not a failure. It means I'm in action. I'm moving forward. I'm getting results. And you know, that was huge at the Eric Worre conference I went to, which was this big, huge conference. Mm -hmm. in the I, I, at least two of the speakers spoke of this particular concept of that it, your greatest teacher and your greatest friend are your failures, your mistakes, because that's where you've learned your greatest lessons. And then I'll flip the script a little bit here, flip the switch a bit. Um, so going to one of my biggest lessons in life, which I know you've heard the story, but five years ago, five and a half years ago, um, after I retired from women's fitness, for, I mean, I've had come back. But when I officially retired from being a full-time professional athlete because I wanted to start a family, I was 34 already. I wanted a big family. And um, my I've had five children. So I've had mm -hmm. five children now between 34 and 45. Um, and my firstborn, so at 34, when I had my firstborn, um, he was born with a smooth brain. It's called lysencephaly. And okay. you can imagine taking... Um, a person like me who's, you know, operating at the highest level of her sport, who's like, like having all this great stuff going on, who's, you know, vibing high and meditating and all this great stuff. It was almost unimaginable that this could happen to me because people would even say, oh, you have a horseshoe up your butt. Like that's how people would say, describe my life. And yeah. So my son was born and basically we were told he was going to die. So wow. I... for the next eight years, Marsha, I gave up my speaking career. I did not write any more books. I um, was a full-time caregiver for an eight-year-old child and I kept up the dream of having kids because that to me, and I met a lot of people that gave up on kids after having a child like mine, but for me, it was my, I just had to have kids. I wanted a family and I wasn't going to give up on that no matter what. And I was willing to take the risk, but all four of my other children are beautiful and healthy and they're all amazing. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine having a dying child who's hooked up to tubes, who never could walk or talk or do anything. He's, he's hooked up to a feeding tube. He's having seizures, but he's my baby. Even as he yeah. got bigger and older, like he's still my baby, my responsibility. Yeah. And I had three other kids during that time. He was alive. My, the, the fourth child, it was her first year on the planet was his last year. So the stress and anxiety. And I mean, as a mom, yeah. Can't so fathom. Anybody here that's had a child can, that's listening in can obviously yeah is dealing it right now, some empathy uh, or some sympathy or whatever. Yes, yes. But um, yeah, so that kicked my legs right out from under me. And um, I mean, the, the thing, like you said, what lights you up? Well, and I said exercise, fitness, movement, that kept me sane throughout that time. Yes. Because that was my relief. It was, mm -hmm. you know, there wouldn't be a day go by that I didn't at least do a 20 minute walk mm -hmm. or a 30 minute something or you know, occasionally I could get to the gym. I'd try and go two times a week. Like we had some nursing support or, or when my husband was home, I would try to get out to go and push and pull and jump because that's what, I, you know, lights me up. And mm -hmm. that, that would be the 20, 30 minutes. I would let my brain not think about what was going on at home. Mm -hmm. And that was necessary. So fast eight years, um, that little guy passed away in my arms five years ago. And you know, I couldn't immediately have some kind of gift from that. I, it's not like, no, <laughs> it's not like God, like, no, 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 definitely not. 
but you know, today I'm able to say that um, because of him coming into my life, I've met some of the most incredible people. Mm -hmm. I have empathy now that is so big. I can cry at like the smallest things. And I, I will admit, I didn't really have that before. I, you know, if someone told me they had a problem, they'd be like, oh, suck it up, turn that frown upside down, go do some cartwheels and you'll feel better. Go push some weights. No, that's not true. Like I've no, been, it's not. <laughs> it wouldn't matter how many weights I lived in. No. Like, dude, it didn't take away my problem. No. Um, but yeah, now I have huge empathy for other people. I can really put myself in other people's shoes. I understand what pain feels like. And you know, the biggest gift, this passion I've had for fitness. And like you said, a gift calls for us to support and serve others. I wrote that mm -hmm. down. The biggest gift I have for my son and what happened to our family is that he couldn't walk, talk, run, dance, jump, think. I can. And when I wake up in the morning, I am so grateful that I can swing my legs off the edge of that bed and I can get to the gym and do my exercise. And I want to inspire as many people as possible to know what it feels like to feel good because, you know, yeah, not many of us are dealing with what my son was dealing with. Like you might be paralyzed or something. Then of course that's awful. But I'm telling you, um, most of us can get up and walk and move and hug and think and answer a question. And, you know, and so I'm just very inspired to, oh. to take that gift to the world. <laughs> I think you have a level of gratitude and appreciation for what you, what our bodies can do that I don't think like you just, you don't leave any space to take it for granted. You just, there's no taking it for granted because you, you know what it's like to not have it. And that I'm sure was a very long and short eight years in a lot of ways. Right. It was, I mean, so I think you have a different perspective that most people won't be able to fully understand. There's no question that just from listening to you, people will relate to the emotions and the feelings that you went through, but you've taken, yes, definitely, you know, gifts and lessons. It's sometimes that can take a really long time when we go through really difficult, painful things. And, you know, I mean, it is tough because some people will come in and say things and they mean, well, I believe everybody comes from their own place. Some people have no idea what to say. And sometimes they say things and you're like, just say that. Like, I just can't even believe you said that. Like people would say things to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so hurtful. But I used to learn, I finally had to learn to just not take it personally because most people don't know. They don't know what they don't know and they don't know what to say. And it just, I think that most people come from a place. I like to believe that they do. They come from a place that they want to be able to offer something to serve like support but they just don't know the words so i'm yeah. sure you went through a whole gamut of emotions that most of us will never understand yeah yeah, yeah again it's different situations right like i said to somebody who's going through the loss of a mom or something and they say oh it's worse what happened to you and i mean you know pain is pain. grief is grief i don't think there's a level of worseness if somebody is perceiving something to be extremely stressful grief and they're grieving. I mean, and it might just be that their dog died. It wasn't their kid, but they might be experiencing more pain possibly because I maybe had more resilience or more outlets because I kept eating healthy. I didn't turn to alcohol. I didn't give up my fitness routine. Like, and I didn't stop believing that everything yeah. was okay. So the more you can find those outlets and find the relief and take care of yourself, the less, you know, that that stress is likely to cause you some severe damage, like major depression or being on some kind of pharmaceutical, which, I mean, there was times when my doctor said, maybe you need something. I'm like, no, I, could, I would right away turn to nature's pharmacy as soon as yeah. the doctor said, no, like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, the stress will kill you, <laughs> you know, I just knew I had to up my game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And that's, that's the thing is that, that like, I mean, that takes it to a different level in a sense that, I mean, I, I mean, stereotype for a second, most women that I speak with and work with, like self-care is just not something that is practiced without guilt. Let me just say that it's like practice, but this whole, like, you feel like you have to apologize for it. And that's not the, that is not the case. And I believe that the more that we choose to show up in the world and the more our goals call us, they're bigger, the things we want to step to, I think self-care has to be, go. I always say it has to go up exponentially the same, right? It has to go up the same. So yeah, does that, so self-care is extremely important. I always tell women to like, just imagine when your when your husband or, you know, the father of your kids or whoever, when they go driving away from the house, they're often not thinking about, Oh, did I leave enough diapers? Did I know? No. Are the kid's going to get picked up from school. Is Johnny going to get to point yeah. A to point B? And we're juggling all that in our head. You no. Know, and women, we do that to ourselves. Right. And mm. I always say, I give you permission to drive away from your home and just turn that off. That's awesome. That is awesome. Before you leave, but then drive away from the house and turn it off. Whatever your chosen thing is, whether it's mm-hmm. hiding in the box, maybe you're just going to the library, you're going for a facial or a pedicure, turn it off. Yeah. Give that gift. I think that's great that you do that and that you are almost giving that permission to do that. And I want to thank you for sharing that story with us because I know that that is not, that is not easy. And I honor how, um, how much you shared that with people because I know that there's definitely will resonate with somebody. Um, Taking that then, I just want to, we're going to wrap up shortly, but I want to tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. I know what you just did course-wise and how you want to take that forward in 2019. What did you just get involved in? It's going to be an exciting year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've I've been building a network marketing business and, you know, as a woman to have the ability to work from home, Mm -hmm. to not have to put in 40 hours a week. um, I never do that. Like maybe 20 or so to have a good flourishing business. Um, I can you know, cause I have four busy kids. So I want to work when they're at school and I want to work. I only have a part-time nanny cause my, I still have one kid at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a 26 hour week nanny. I have to squeeze in work hours in that time. Plus all the other things that, you know, got to get and driving around for activities. So to have that built up, I mean, women need passive income. I just, you know, I bow down so to true. everyone who's created some passive income in their lives through network marketing or however they choose to do it. Maybe they have rental, whatever it is, they're into stocks, whatever. Um, we need that because our lives can just go like this in an instant, right? A kid has to go, the, like I have a sick kid right now. I got to take to the naturopath after this podcast. Yeah. So we need to be flexible and Mm -hmm. marketing has given me that. And because I built up a solid income with five years of dedicated, you've worked. I know you've worked. I built up a solid income. Now I'm able to pursue some of the other things that I enjoy. So I love my network marketing and because it's a healthcare solution, it's perfect for me. Right. I help others transform. That's what I do. Then now I've been able to go more into the mindset and the like Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I've recently started, I'm studying with Louise Hay. I did a heal your life teacher training. So in 2019, I'm just excited to keep doing what I do to help people transform, but not just the body transformation. I really want to dig more into this mindset and the transformation of the whole person, because when somebody transform from within the external transformation is going to be so much easier. And it's going to be that easy maintenance and that long-term transformation. So that's where I'm digging into in 2019. I want to start doing some online work with the Heal Your Life program. Awesome. I look forward to um, seeing that unfold because I've just always, I mean, I've loved Louise Hay's work. So yeah, no, I think it's going to be outstanding. Um, Where can people reach you, find you, connect? What can they do? 
the best thing to do is follow because you want to like get entertained or see some fun stuff. It is entertaining. I have followed your Facebook. It is very entertaining. <laughs> Facebook and my Instagram. Facebook is kind of where I really go crazy. Instagram, yeah. I mean, you know, I put as much as I can, but um, Instagram, it's just Carrie Odiatu. So K-A-R-Y-O-D-I-A-T-U. So I'm easy to find. So Carrie mm-hmm. K-A-R-Y-O-D-I-A-T-U and Facebook, same thing. K-A-R-Y-O-D-I-A-T-U. My Facebook friends are full, but you can follow me. Follow Carrie Odiatu. You'll get little glimpses into the personal stuff with the family, um, but then you'll get lots of fitness inspiration, motivation, transformation, and uh, and fun along the way because I'm a fun person, so I like to make people awesome. I will put myself out there and do whatever to make people laugh. And then Carrie Odiatu Consulting and Wellness is a business page where I will be putting more effort into as the new year unfolds and I go more I I put that page up there so I can start promoting the heal your life and all the other awesome that's awesome thank you so much for that um I have quick question so I'll make sure I know you have to go shortly your um you could go back in time and you can give a message to your younger self you can pick any age you can pick any time what would you tell her hmm I would tell that younger self because this is something I dove into this whole year I've Mm -hmm. been working so hard on this to Mm -hmm. have a voice and not be scared to express your voice and your truth Mm. to start doing that um, with safe people and not be scared to maybe talk to a counselor or a coach. We all need a coach, whether it's a business coach, a life coach, I have a business coach. I would not compete at a major show or anything, any kind of competition in fitness without a coach. (laughs) No, no. Which is we need people that we can honestly speak our truth. And I had like really turned off my voice. And that was from partly growing up with a mom who was super quiet and never shares and never like complains. And, and, you know, I'd really turned that off. And over this last year, I've just been pushing myself and pushing myself to have difficult conversations, mm. to um, face some things. And, you know, that would be the biggest thing I know could make a difference in how I've operated over the past 20 years, for sure, would be if I had been brave enough and open enough. But, you know, timing is timing. And I needed to go through what I went through to end up where I am now, for sure. Well, 100%. It's not about regrets. It's about like, we have to learn those lessons. And I, a lot of times, like when somebody asks me that question, it's like, I would think, I wish I could go back and say, like, trust yourself, you know, the answers, Mm. like, just trust yourself. You've known them. And it just was hard when you're younger and everything else that's going on. It's like, how do you even trust that voice and listen to it? So I completely understand. I completely understand. Um, last question really quick is what lesson are you most grateful for in life? Uh, you know, there's a quote that I used to say at the end of every speaking engagement. It's written in the front of my book and it's one of my favorites. And it says, um, you can't leave footprints in the sands of time if you're sitting on your butt. And who wants to leave butt prints in the sands of time? And I've been repeating that to myself. <laughs> I don't want to leave butt prints in the sands of time. I, I quit watching TV five years ago to focus on building a solid business and to become a businesswoman because I've been a high kicking, high, you know, split and fitness girl. And I don't want this next part. I'm turning 50 next year. And I don't want the next part of my life to be known as the girl that can do the splits and the high kicks. I will still keep doing them, but I want to be known for what I can do as a business builder now and, you know, creating awesome. more uh, and serving more people people for sure. That is so awesome. I honestly, Carrie, I cannot thank you enough for being so real and raw with us today. I really appreciate it. And I know that it is going to resonate with so many other people. So thank you so much for being here today. And I know you have to run because you've got your kids that you have to get to, but I want to thank you really, really, truly want to thank you for being real, for being here with us today. Thank you, Marsha. You are welcome.
Have a great day, everyone, and join us for another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.